Today, the last Sunday of 2019, when you think about 2019, there's a lot of things that we, we need to think about. The fact that not only are we ending a year, but we are ending a decade. We're going into 2020. The start of a new year is the start of a new decade. It's the start of uh, something new. And not the high school musical, the start of something new. Okay. Um, not that one. My daughters have just watched high school musicals. So I got all the songs stuck in my head. They even made a playlist on the Amazon Prime thing or whatever, so now I even hear it in the car sometimes. Like, the thing just randomly starts playing High School Musical. But it is the start of something. And you think about the fact that as humans, we are born with five senses. And every one of the senses is is important, right? We have touch, got taste, hearing, Vision, I'm missing one. (laughs) Smell, thanks. You know, we can do without a sense. And the other ones usually help you pick up for it. I mean, sometimes I wish I didn't have the sense of smell. You ever been in Disney in a crowded day with people who didn't wear deodorant? Wish I didn't have the sense of smell. You can deal without the sense of touch. Remember the guy from Mr. Deeds with the big black foot and he would do the stuff he wouldn't feel anything? No touch. You can deal without the feeling. I mean, you can deal without hearing. It's hard, but you can deal with it. You can learn sign language and, and, and do the different things. I mean, you can deal with, with, without tasting. Some of y'all, when I taste your food, I wish I didn't taste, right? I mean, others, it tastes great. But vision is one that without it makes life very, very difficult. Because without vision, you need, truly need dependence from people around you and instruments in different situations. So let's talk about what the Bible says about vision. If you go with me to the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 29, verse number 18, Proverbs 29, 18. We'll get through eventually. It says this. Where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. But happy is he who keeps the law. Where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. But happy is he who keeps the law. So I want to talk about two things here in this verse. The first one is this. The word there translated in the New King James as revelation in the original manuscript is the word Kazah. And that word, the literal translation of it is vision, divine vision from God. And so it's the same word that is used in multiple instances of scripture, one of them being in 1 Samuel chapter 3, when if you've heard the story, Samuel, who is dedicated to the Lord, Hannah, his mom, couldn't have babies. She's praying. She asked God at the temple. She's like, if you bless me with a child, I will dedicate him to you. I will surrender him. I will give him to you. God blessed her with the baby with Samuel. When she weaned him off of nursing, she took him to the temple and gave him to the priest, Eli, and, and, and de- dedicated him, gave him to the service of the Lord. As Samuel begins to grow, there's a day where he's in his bed, he's sleeping, and he hears this word. He hears Samuel and he hears his name and he wakes up and he runs to Eli and says, Eli, you called me? He's like, no, I didn't, man. Go back to bed. 
So he goes back to the bed, he lays down, and again, he hears the word Samuel. And he gets up and he runs back to Eli. He's like, yo, Eli, you, you, dude, I, I seriously heard you say Samuel. He's like, no, 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 I did it. Go back to bed. This happens again. And finally, Samuel's like, uh, Eli's like, oh, wait a second. You must be hearing God. It's God who's calling you. So next time you hear it, say, here I am, right? Speak to me. And so 1 Samuel chapter 3 clearly says this. They weren't able to recognize that it was God's voice because there was not vision at that time. See, the sin in Eli's life and the life of his children had put a blockage in the vision, the divine revelation from above from God. Samuel, in his purity to God, was able to hear what God was saying and listen to that vision. That's a preaching in and of itself, but that's not what we're going down today. The fact that to hear God, you got to be walking right, okay? It's the same word, vision. And when you look at the verse where it says, the people cast off restraint, in the original translation, it literally means perish or die. So this verse should read, in, in, in plain English, should read, where there is no vision, people die. Where there is no vision, people die. Now, let's talk about corporate America for a minute. Businesses. A business entity will always look forward to what they can, can do to continue to grow their business. And if they don't, the business begins to die. If they don't release a new product, if they don't improve the product, if Apple didn't bring out a new phone, if Samsung didn't bring out a new phone, if they didn't bring out the new one, eventually the business dies. No vision, no business. And in the very same way as a man, as a, in your spirit man, if there is no vision from God, there is nowhere for you to arrive to. My wife and I are, are going on vacation in May. We've been planning this vacation for over a year. Had it on the calendar, had it on the thing. We've already booked our flights. We've booked our hotel. We've got everything ready to go, all the different things. And we, I mean, we're December 29th. We're going in May. We're still months away. We already sit. When it's just the two of us, we'll sit out there and we'll pull out the computer and we'll look at destinations and attractions and different things to do at this vacation spot so that we can start to plan what we do, because if we wait till the day we arrive, we're going to spend so much time trying to figure it out that we are going to miss out on the opportunity. You understand what I'm saying, right? We are preparing so that when we arrive, we can hit the ground running and enjoy everything that the spot has to offer. Why don't we do that in our personal life, in our walk with God? Now, I do want to say something, and I was here on Friday night, Pastor Zach was preaching to the youth, and, and he mentioned something. He, he, he said, you know, I've never been one about, like, New Year's resolutions. And I agree with him. I've said that before as well. Like, I, I, I don't want to wait till January. If, if it's October and I realize that I, I, I need to change something, I'm not waiting four more months, right? 
Like, change it. And you should periodically look at your life and change things if they need to be. However, as we are ending this year and this decade and getting into a new one, we should stop, reflect, and look at where God wants us to go. And this word vision, again, Proverbs 29, 18, without vision, people die. It's the same word that was used in 1 Samuel. It's the same word in Daniel, where, where Daniel says it was able to interpret visions and dreams. It's the same exact word. And it's the word that is used in Habakkuk. Now, if you go to Habakkuk, Habakkuk, however you want to pronounce it, tomato, tomato, okay? Habakkuk, Habakkuk. Chapter number two. I'll let you look it up. It's in the Old Testament. Habakkuk, chapter number two. Verse number one says, I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart and watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I'm corrected. Now, I'm going to stop there for a second. Leave that verse on the screen. Watch. This is Habakkuk. He's talking to God. If you read all of chapter one, you get to the end of chapter one, and this is Habakkuk talking to God. He begins in, in the beginning of chapter one. He asks God a question. God answers. Then he begins to ask God a second question, and this is the end of the question, right? After he asks the question, it goes into chapter two, and this is Habakkuk. He says, I will stand my watch. In other words, I'm going to separate myself. I'm going to set myself on the rampart. I am going to separate myself. Church, the first thing we need to do to be able to hear what God wants for us and for our life and for our family, the vision for 2020 or beyond, we need to separate ourselves. Turn your phone off. I, I, I did this a couple of weeks ago. As I was praying, what, what is the, God, where do you want 2020 for 3W Church? Where do you want us to go preaching-wise and different things? I went out of town for about 28 hours. Literally, it's what I could set aside time for at that moment. And I spent that time just seeking God. And God was able to download into me the word for this year and the first 10 weeks, the first two full series of 2020. Because I separated myself, put the phone away, put the email away, put the things away, and just spent time with God. And now in January, I'm going to do it again, get away for a couple of days to ask God, God, where do you want the church to go those 10, 12 weeks after where you've led us to right now, right? Separate yourself is number one. The second thing that he says there, I will watch to see what he will say to me. I'm going to pay attention. I'm going to make an appointment to listen, because that's what it then says, and I will answer when I'm corrected. Like, I'm going to listen. I'm going to put on do not disturb. I had a meeting on Friday with someone, and before I started the meeting, Patty went and called me. She was FaceTiming me with the girls. They had gone to, they had, she had made hot dogs for lunch, and they were sitting in our terrace in the backyard, and it started to rain. Thank God we have a, a canopy thing out there, but they were stuck. They couldn't get back inside the house, so they had to eat there or whatever in the thing, and she's FaceTiming me, and I'm like, all right, good. Look, I'm about to start a meeting. If you call me, I'm not going to answer because I've got to deal with an important situation. I am going to put everything off to tell the person in front of me I'm listening. But how many times do we say we're going to, well, we want God to speak to us, but we don't turn off the other things. We don't turn off the noise of, of the email or the text or the social media or la novela, you know, like whatever it is that we, we're into. We don't put it aside. And then it gets into verse number two, where this is now the Lord answering. Look what God says to Habakkuk, Habakkuk. The Lord answered me and said, write the vision. Write 
the vision. Do any of you forget stuff? Right. I've gotten to the point where <laughs> I go through yellow Lego pads. That's what I use. It's what I use to study as I'm preparing a preaching. It's what I use for notes. It's what I use for different things. And then I'm going through these things like water because I've gotten to a point where I'm a little older now and I got a little more gray hair and, and, and more people that I have to deal with sometimes in different situations and I'm forgetting things sometimes. So I write things down. Why do I write them down? So I do not forget. Can I tell you a personal pet peeve? When you go to a restaurant and you're sitting there with a group of people and the waiter comes to say, how can I help you? What do you want? And they don't write down your order. And then they bring it wrong. It happened to anybody before. And in, in my flesh, I want to say, dude, if you had just written it down, y'all been all right. But there's four of us here. All four of us ordered steaks. He wanted it rare. He wanted it medium. I wanted it well. He wanted it like a chancleta. I wanted it with fries. He wanted it with baked potato, whatever. And you mixed up all our orders. We're like, hey, you know, give me your potatoes. I'll give you my fries. I'll give you, you know, if you had just written it down, we wouldn't have this problem. So God says, Habakkuk, right? And he's talking to you, each and every one of you, right? Victor, Sergio, Henry, Jose. He's speaking to each and every one of us. Write the vision. Why? So you don't forget it. Man, I've had to pull over the car because I'm driving. And, and for me, the easiest part of pastoring is developing sermons and preaching. It's the easiest part. I can be driving down the street and see a bird fly by and get a download from God on a message or a series, right? Like I, I just, it's, it's, it's the way God designed me. I still got to study and develop it, obviously, but I can just get these. In. So I'll have to, I'll pull over because I've gotten to a point where I can get it and then I forget it. Like I'll pull over and I'll jot it down. So I don't forget it. If I have my wife in the car, I'll be like, write this down. Send me a text with it so I can look it up later, you know? Hey Siri, <laughs> write down for me. Make a note. <laughs> write it so you don't forget it. And not just write it, make it plain on tablets. Have you ever written something so fast you can't read it later? Do you remember when you're in high school or college or whatever, and you, you or whatever, and you go to study, it's like, dude, was I like sleeping? Was I like, was my hand possessed by something? Like, what did I write down? Let me go see a doctor. Maybe they can read it because you know doctors' handwriting. They, they can, you know, maybe they can make it out. You know, Habakkuk. Write the vision so clearly that he may run who reads it. And then why did God throw this next verse in? Look what verse 3 says. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. The download, the vision that God is putting in you today may not be for tomorrow. It might be for three years from now. I am 40 years old. A few weeks ago, I said 41, and I was very rapidly corrected by my mom who said, don't make me that old. You're only 40, right? I'm 40. I had the blessing of coming to Christ when I was eight. I had the blessing of having preached my first sermon when I was eight years old. At eight years old, I knew my call, the vision for my life from God was to pastor. Guess what? I didn't drop out of the third grade. And go open a church. The vision was for an appointed time. 
And decisions that I made throughout life in different seasons, because there can be a long-term vision, a short-term vision, and different visions in between. But what is the thing about the vision? They have to align. The vision that I have that God has for me needs to align with the vision that God gave my wife. If we don't have the same vision, we have division and division breaks apart. So there may be visions that change in your life for short-term things, but they will have an overarching vision of where would God wants to lead you. But you will not be able to get the download of the vision if you don't separate yourself to have communion with God, free from distractions, to hear what he wants to tell you. And if you won't write it down, the enemy is an expert at trying to cloud our mind with junk, with pop-ups. When you're going to go study, when you're going to go read the scripture, put the phone on airplane mode and give God reverence and the time and then write it down. And then verse number three says this, for the vision is in an appointed time. It may tarry. It may take a while, but wait, it will surely come. Any bakers in the house? Anybody? Any bakers? A couple? Don't be afraid. If you're a baker, if you think you're a baker, you know. Okay. Has anybody ever read a a baking recipe that it talks about, you know, whatever it is supposed to be in the oven? We we have a... We have a standing Christmas gift that we get every year. I look forward to it every December. And it's these frozen croissants, okay? They are amazing. We get them every year from the same person that we love dearly. They, it comes in the mail, and we, they go in the freezer, and then you make them. We make them usually like on a Saturday morning or Christmas, you know, time that we have time because they take 25 minutes to bake in the oven. But the instruction clearly says this. Turn the oven on to 350 degrees. Put it inside. Do not open the oven. It says it. Do not open the oven until the time. Do you know why? Watch. If you set your oven to 400 degrees, you wait for the oven to ding when it's at 400 degrees. When you open the oven, put your item inside, the oven's at 400 degrees, right? Do you know what happens every time you open the oven door? The hot air leaves and the temperature of your house goes in. Meaning that for the next minute or seconds or however long it is, the oven is no longer at 400 degrees. Meaning that the cook time will be off. So God says this, it might take 25 minutes for that croissant to rise. But don't open the oven because if you wait, they're going to taste good. And so many times as Christians, we ask God, God speaks to us, we put it in the oven, and then we're like, is it ready yet? Is it ready yet? I don't know why it's not cooking fast enough. Wait, if I put it at 450... 
And I do my, you know, trigonometry calculus and all my math calculations where I said 25 minutes at 350 degrees, but if I do it at 450, then I can divide and the pi and the this and the other, whatever. Maybe I can do 450 for 12 minutes. Anybody here watch Food Network? Y'all can tell your pastor likes food. All right. <laughs> food Network has cooking shows. And it never fails that on every single competition that you ever may watch, there is always that one guy or girl, cook, baker, whatever, who will try to cook a dish that regularly takes them at home five hours in 45 minutes of the challenge. Y'all know what I'm talking about? The judges come and they're like, something's wrong. Like, do you, do you, is this the first time you make it? No, I make it all the time. So what's wrong? It was like, well, at home, I, I slow cook it for five hours. And today I tried to do it in the pressure cooker. This is what I would do, okay? If I was going to go on one of these shows, and I know that I only have 45 minutes. Bro, you better believe that before I go on the show, I'm going to have figured out how to make it in 45 minutes. Not that I'm going to try on the challenge and then get sent home for it. It's just me. Maybe that's not you, it's me. But that's what we want to do. We don't want to wait. But God says, wait. Wait. Write it down and wait. But there's something I think that is added on that we miss out many times about vision. And, and, and I want you to go this, watch, watch, watch. Go to Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9. Verse number 3 of Hebrews chapter 9. If you're writing it down, write it down so you can go study this. This is an important chapter. It talks about our high priest. It talks about a lot of different things for us as believers. But specifically in verse number 3 of chapter 9, it says, And behind the second veil, if you remember last week, we talked about the package already being shipped. We talked about Jesus being the way, the truth, the life. We talked about the door to the, to the tabernacle entrance was called the way. We talked about the first curtain was called the truth. And the last one into the holies of holies, this veil that it's talking about was called the life. Okay, and It says, behind the second veil, the part of the tabernacle which is called the holiest of all, which had the golden censer and the ark of the covenant. Overlaid on all sides with gold, in which were the golden pot that had the manna, Aaron's rod that budded, and the tablets of the covenant. Now, keep that in mind. We're going to go right back to it, okay? Put up Psalms 105, verse 5. Psalm 105, 5 says this. Remember his marvelous works, which he has done his wonders, and the judgments of his mouth. Remember what God has done. Go back to Hebrews chapter 9, verse number 4. Inside the Ark of the Covenant were three things, okay? The golden thing with manna inside, the rod of Aaron, which budded, and the tablets of the covenant. So I asked God, I was like, God, like, what, 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 do, you, what, what do you remember this, Okay. And I felt this from the Lord. For you to receive and walk into your fulfillment of vision, where his presence lies, there needs to be three things. 
the remembrance that he set you free. What was the staff? If you read the Bible in the book of Exodus, God tells Moses, go to Pharaoh, tell him to let my people go. Moses like, I can't, I can't talk to you good. God says, take your brother with you. He took the staff. He threw the staff down. The staff butted. So it was a reminder to the people of God of God's freedom, deliverance. So if you want to be able to walk into the fulfillment of your vision, you need to remember that God has delivered you. The second thing was that there was a jar full of manna. Manna was the grain-type substance that every morning was out in the floor for the children of Israel to get and be able to bake their pancakes, right? Every morning, they were able to get this and make their bread for the day. And on the day before the Sabbath, they got a double portion, and it lasted. If they ever tried to get a double portion before the day of the Sabbath, they would wake up with worms in it. So this was God in the Ark of the Covenant where the presence sat, reminding the children of Israel, I delivered you, number one, and number two, I've always provided for you. See, as I get ready to get the download of the vision that God has for my life, I need to understand that he has delivered me and he has provided. And because he has delivered me and provided for me, he will continue to deliver me and continue to provide for me. And number three was the tablets of the covenant. And we live under such a much better covenant. We live under the covenant of grace because Jesus died on the cross to pay the price for our sin. And now we have access to the Father. So you ask God to download a vision, you write it down, but you need to remember what God has done in your life because that will propel you to what God wants to do. And church, let me tell you something. Every single one of us need to ask God for the vision for our individual life. Because remember when I said at the beginning of the preaching that somebody who would not have the sense of sight is dependent on someone else? If you don't have God's vision for your life, you will be dependent on the vision of someone else and their vision will never be what God intended for you. I'm going to say that again. No vision caused me to be dependent on someone else. Their vision. And their vision is not necessarily my vision. So not only do I need to ask God I need to write down everything that God has done for me because that will propel me to where he's going to take me. Beside Jesus, my favorite Bible character is David. We share a name. What can I say? And in 1 Samuel chapter 17, and let me draw a picture before you put the verse up for me, but in 1 Samuel chapter 17, you can start looking for it. This is one of the passages of scripture that perhaps all of the world knows without knowing where it's found. Because any, t- any sporting event that you watch that, or any type of thing where there is an underdog, they always say this is a true David and Goliath story. This is the story of David and Goliath. And let me paint you this picture. Let me paint you this picture. David, who's about 14, 15, maybe 16 years old, he's a shepherd boy. He's out in the field taking care of the flock. His dad says, go to the warrior section where your brothers are in the military and take them some cheese and crackers, okay? Bread and cheese. So David gets all these things and he starts going to take it over to his brothers, right? And as he's taking it over to his brothers, he hears Goliath. Goliath was about a nine foot tall man. Your son asked me how tall was Goliath the other day. 
when he was leaving the house. He was like, Pastor David, how tall was Goliath? I was like, he was about nine feet, give or take. So this giant of a man is out there every single day. He's like, hey, Israel! Emphasis added. I want to fight your top dog. Your top guy against me. If I win, y'all be my slaves. If y'all win, we be your slaves. And all of the warriors, experienced fighters from Israel, would hear that and hide. The next day, Goliath, Israel, I'm here, right? So David's walking with his Costco bag of cheese and crackers, right? And he hears Goliath. He's like, bro, bro, Javi, is this guy saying this all the time? Like, yeah, yeah, man, every single day. And the king said that whoever fights him and defeats him is going to get to marry his daughter, is going to get all this money, is going to get all this stuff. David's like, really? All right, cool. Hey, 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 Eric, Eric, what has the king said about this guy, Goliath? And Eric tells him the same stuff. He's like, oh, sounds good. All right. Hey, everybody. Yo, here are my cheese and crackers. All right, here. I got this. I'm fighting Goliath. This is where we're at. David had a vision to conquer Goliath. Then we get to verse 33. Saul, who's the king, looks at David and he says this, you're not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are a youth and he, a man of war from his youth. Watch this, okay? The person of maximum authority in the natural a revelation right there for you. The person of maximum authority in the natural told David in the natural that he could not win the fight that God told David in the spirit he was going to win. You too small. You too young. You're not. You cannot do this. David could have succumbed to the natural. But David didn't answer in the natural. Look what he told to Saul. He, he, he looked at Saul and said, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. If you have your Bible in front of you, underlined used to keep his father's sheep. Watch this. David got his vision and understood that the new vision was taking him to a new destination and he was no longer going to be a shepherd boy. So he told Saul straight to his face, I used to be. Remember, he was in the field when his dad said, "Take, go to Costco, buy some cheese and crackers, take them to your brother. David dropped the cheese and crackers and said, no, 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 I used to be a shepherd. And let me tell you something. When I was a shepherd so long ago, I mean, the guy just, he just left the field. When I was a shepherd so long ago, when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went after it and struck it 
and delivered the lamb from its mouth. What? I took care of business. And if it arose against me, I set the lamb free. But if that lion or bear decided to want to come against me, I struck it, caught it by its beard. Dude, I took my bare hands, got the lion, big old symbol, right by the beard, or scar, better said. <laughs> struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them seeing he has defied the vision of God for my life. It doesn't say the vision of God for my life, but you understand where we're going, right? David understood that he was going to accomplish and enter a new level in the new vision and that no matter if somebody came against him or spoke over his life, something that was not what God said, he was going to go ahead and fight and do this. And then look what he says in verse 37. And moreover, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. <laughs> and Saul said, may the Lord be with you. <laughs> that's where George Lucas got this, you know, may the force be with you from. I don't know if that's the truth or not, I'm just joking. God wants to download a vision to your life. And this teaches me that David kept a journal of all the victories God had given him in his life. His Ark of the Covenant, per se. His manna, budding staff, and tablets were the victories over the lion and the bear. God said, remember what I've done in your life. And too many times, we continue to do the worldly tradition of making new goals or resolutions. As opposed to saying, I'm not going to make a resolution. I'm going to ask God for a vision to propel me to where I'm called to go. And that vision cannot just be based on you what you want. This is not a dear Santa list. This is what God tells you that you write down to be remembered of where he wants to take you. Years past, we've given out vision boards. And we're going to give them out, but we're not giving them out today. We're giving them out in January. Because in January, we're launching a series called SEE, S-E-E. -E. And I'm asking you, and as your pastor giving you a homework, to spend time with God over the next few weeks, days, and weeks, asking God a few things. Number one, where do you want me to go? What's the vision? Number two, what are all the victories you've given me in 2019 and before? 
Because again, those victories are going to propel you into where God's taking you. And number three, what are the strategies to achieve the vision? So that when we release into you these vision boards, if you will, you will have God's downloaded information. Not where you just get it today and you start writing down and cutting this and putting this. Because, man, the world does that. Unbelievers do that. Of their desires. But we, as Christians, the Bible says that God will grant the desires of our heart. Why? Because as we get closer to God, our desires align with his desires. Our wants align with his wants. So it's a different ballgame. Write down the victories. I, I, I told you last week, this week I was going to share some of the things that we've been able to do this year. And, I, and I'm going to take the next three minutes, four minutes to talk about that. As a church, what is the vision of 3W Church? It is a vision that God put into my heart before we launched the church. It is the vision of our church for its longevity. Each year, there may be a different word, a different direction, a different tactic. But the overarching vision of worship without walls is this. Equipping the body of Christ to live a lifestyle of worship that will cause change. Build up, equip, train the body. Who's the body? Us, the Christians, right? To live a life of worship unto God. Does that mean you walk around all day long singing? No. Remember, worship is everything you do unto the Lord. Living a life of worship unto God. You get to work on time because you're honoring God. So your boss says, why are you the only one that gets here on time? Well, because I don't work for you, sir. I work for God. You're just the vehicle to pay me. I honor your time because I do this for God. Man, that's, I've never heard anybody tell me that before. Wait, you honor me because you honor God? Yes, sir. And I respect the time. And work starts at 9, so I'm here at 8.55, so at 9 I can start. And I didn't pack my briefcase at 4.55. No, 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 I waited till 5 to pack and leave. Because I honor you because I honor God. That's what I'm talking about, a life of worship, right? Everything you do, you do God. And it causes change. And that's our vision. And what is the mission of 3W Church? Any, anybody know it? Left me out the dry? Really? Nobody? Thank you. A little louder? Taking it outside the walls. Taking it outside the walls. Some of you are like, oh, that's right. It says it on the serve shirts and everything. <laughs> I love y'all. What does it mean to take it outside the walls? Take what? What is the it? I told you earlier, I'm a teacher by profession, right? What is the it? It is a pronoun that means something else. What is the it? It's taking the love of Christ, taking Christ outside the walls. Jesus said in the book of Matthew, you don't light up a light and put it under a bed. You put it out on high so it may light up a room. Too many times Christians light up churches and are dark in the world. Have any ever of you experienced a Christian who was off? I have. I've been it too, unfortunately. So taking it outside the walls. So what has 3W done this year? Because I, I analyze, I, I study this. Lord, give us, show us what we've done. What do we continue to do? What do we propel? What do we do better, right? We started off the year preparing the homeless care packages. You remember? We prepared over 100 care packages for homeless. 
We do more and more each year. This year was over 100. Last year, I think we hit, had hit like 50. This year, we hit 100. This year, in the name of Jesus, we're going to hit 150. And prepared all these Ziploc bags, well, and stuff. And did we go out and feed the homeless? No. If you remember, again, we're equipping you. We're training you. You, the church, the body, took the bag so that when you ran into a homeless person at a street corner on the street, you could put down your window and say, hey, here, God bless you. And there was a pair of socks in there. There was a bottle of water. There was a granola bar. There was a gift card to a McDonald's so they can have a lunch, whatever it was, right? It was in there to bless them, equip, train. We worked with six different schools during teacher appreciation where we provided lunch and, 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 and gifts and different things to the teachers to let them know that we love them. We worked with his house like we do every single year. Church, we are, there's only two days a year where his house allows all of the kids to interact together. And 3W Church is one of those two times a year. Where they allow the, the, the kids that are local, that are, are from the United States, and the kids that are here from another country, they're separate populations. The only time, twice a year, they allow them to be together in an event, and 3W Church does one of them. To show them love. We worked with COPE. In May, we took Mother's Day gifts to every single one of those young ladies that decided to say, yes, I will keep this baby, and I will not sacrifice him at the altar of convenience. Because I can't tell you that it's wrong to kill a baby and then not bless you or take care of you when you decided to keep the baby. So we did Mother's Day there. We did Christmas there. We just got strollers for all the ones that needed strollers and laundry detergent, all kinds of stuff. For the first time in the history of our church, we started to support Israel through the Jerusalem Institute. The Jerusalem Institute of Liberty is an organization that helps Christian Jews in Jerusalem fight discrimination against them because they're believers. Over a 1,000 cases this year, two of them that they were able to take to the Supreme Court. I just got to meet with the CEO of the company who flew, came down to Miami just to sit with us and have lunch and explain to us how they were able to change the Constitution over there to actually make, watch this, to actually make paying for sex illegal because in Israel that was okay. And they were able to go to the Supreme Court and file it. We're supporting that institution as a church. Why? Because the Bible actually says to support Israel. And it's something that when we delivered the Blessed Life series this year, if you, didn't, if you haven't read the book yet and you got it, start reading it. And if you don't have it, get one and read it. It will change your life. But one of the things that it talks about is the support of our brothers that is God's chosen people of Israel. We got to plant churches this year, two of them through Surge, one of them in Cuba and one of them in all places, Pakistan. I want to give you the name of the pastor in Pakistan, if you could put it up for me, because I'm going to butcher it. His name is Asan Mahmoud. Just read it. <laughs> this pastor is going to be able to launch, now in January, a church in Pakistan because of 3W. And they asked us for prayer. Here are the prayer things they asked to be praying for throughout the year. For provision, for protection, for the Holy Spirit to move, for physical health, for spiritual growth, for the mind, the congregation, for the personal life of the, of the pastor, their leadership, evangelism. We're going to put this all out there so that you guys can be praying for this pastor in Pakistan. 
that 3W Church was able to bless to send out. And I know I'm forgetting stuff. I wrote it all down. My wife told me in the first service I missed things. When the hurricane decimated the Bahamas, we were able to send, I mean, so much relief supplies. Why? Because the vision is to take it outside the walls. And as I asked the Lord to download, where are we going next? God, where do you want us to take us next? Well, the vision is this. Here are the victories. This year, you were able to help all these kids, all these girls, all these things. We're believing that next year, because God help us do this this year, we're going to be able to do even more next year. Why? Because we have the victories of what happened this year. And if we look at what we did the year before, what we did last year was more than what we were able to do the year before. Why? Because God always moves forward. Write the vision. Ask God. Speak to me, God. Separate yourself. Connect yourself to him. Separate yourself so that you may be able to hear what God is saying, where he wants to take you, where he wants to take your family. Begin to write down these visions. Begin to write down your victories. So that when you face adversity, you're able to say, hey, hey, the lion didn't stand a chance to the power of God. Neither will this giant. We're shooting for 2020 vision. The marketing strategy for so God knows how many companies next year is going to be 2020, right? 2020, 2020, because we all want 2020 vision. Church, I ask you, I urge you as your pastor, not just because we're entering 2020, but on a daily basis, separate yourself and talk to God. Ask God, God, where do you want me to go? Don't wait till December's. No, 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 continually ask God, where do you want me to go? Write it down that you may run when you read it, that you may get to the place where God wants you to go. Write down the victories so that when doubt comes, you're able to stand upon what God has done because he's faithful and he'll do it again. Church, strive for 2020 vision. Strive for 2020 vision. See.